0: Man, listening to that theme makes me almost as happy as I was when I watched the Green Bay Packers defeat the, the Dallas Cowboys forty-eight to thirty-two in the first round of the playoffs. That was truly a, a great moment in, in Jean Luc's life. Wow! But uh, unfortunately, we're not a podcast about NFL football. Maybe someday. Maybe I'm into it enough that we can do that someday. But we are here to talk about something way cooler than football. The X Men. Oh. Y'all like the X-Men? Uh It's I Crying in the Book Club. This is episode 45. I'm your host, Jean-Luc. Emily's here. You heard Emily. Hi! Night. Emily apparently likes the X-Men. I.
1: Oh boy, we're going to get into it.
0: I assumed Emily had zero knowledge of the X-Men, but apparently that's not true.
1: Oh boy, we're going to get into it.
0: <laughs> and uh, Alex is also here to talk about the X-Men.
2: I want to talk about the Suicide Squad. What's the... Oh, okay, well... That's
1: like yeah, an entirely different... Um, They're better. That's an entirely different universe than what we're talking about today, Alex. I don't know how to break uh, this to you.
2: Okay.
0: Yeah, I don't. I'm I don't worried. think they let you piss on any of the, the the heroes in Marvel's Midnight Suns or like the Spider-Man. But games. they I should. Just
2: I just mean, a DC like, thing. I think if if I was stuck in these two universes and I'm like, which one would be more likely to have powers that are have to do with like pissing? I'd be like, I'm sure there's an, a, a mutant out there who's like. Oh no, my acid pee! Like someone had acid. Yeah. There's off. a
1: there's a mutant for everything, yeah. so you're right. There probably is a mutant out there with yeah. acid. Yeah,
2: and there's pee. like there's Glorbo, the the pink guy. Everyone
1: Glob, Glorbo. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: yeah, I love Glob. He, I, I actually do love Glob, but
0: partially because of what we're gonna talk about, but also partially because uh, of Avengers Arena, which maybe eventually we'll talk about. But Glob is Glob is awesome. Truly, one aren't, of the, the aren't there most... some
1: runaways in Avengers Arena?
0: Yeah, Nico and Chase are in, yeah, that uh, are in Avengers Arena. So yeah,
1: we, that's and Glob totally... is there.
0: Glob, that... Glob is one of the most persecuted people in the entire Marvel universe. Oh, yeah, so
1: that that fits in our. Yeah. I mean that fits in our wheelhouse. We can do that.
2: Glob just likes doing crimes. It's not as
1: who who BK I mean who's the Yeah.
2: Anyway, like that. Unlike that, Jan Gray. God, Jan Gray. <laughs> Hates crime hater
0: Gene Gray, Gene Gray mm. Summers. I guess
2: uh, we are
0: talking <laughs>
1: about. Would love to remind you at every second of this comic. Yeah.
0: Yes. Uh, Emily didn't even see the big twist though at the end. Who no? She didn't it. read. Well, well didn't.
2: is it a twist? I we'll tried. get to that. It's well, it's. Like,
0: th- I mean, it's not a twist. Like it. Yeah. You're, it it's, it's, big, it's inevitable once you get to it. But yeah. we are talking about Grant Morrison's new X Men. I would <laughs> say Grant Morrison and Frank Quitely's new X Men because. Usually that's how it's built, but I think Frank Quitely probably only does about half of these issues. Mm -hmm. Uh, We are there's a lot of fill-in artists, is the point. Uh, We for this episode read uh, issues one fourteen through one thirty-eight, which is roughly the first four trades, Mm -hmm. and we'll be covering the second half. Although I think it's going to end up being a little bit less uh, on the next episode in a couple weeks. So we're just we're just talking about one fourteen to one thirty-eight. So there's still a lot of stuff that we haven't gotten to. (laughs) Uh, well, I've read it before, but I don't think Emily or Alex has, but we'll get to that. I have not. Um, anyway, uh, New X-Men. So there, one of the interesting things about New X-Men is that there is no issues 1 to 113 of the New X-Men because it is, in fact, just a rebranding of X-Men. Uh, okay. There is X-Men 1 to 113, and then there is New X-Men 114 to One, uh, it goes on for a while as new X Men, yeah,
1: okay,
0: but it is. Would never do that, they would never do that, (laughs) yeah. DC famously never does renumberings or relaunches or anything of the sort. Nope, 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 nope. uh, but anyway, new X Men kind of came about in the early 2000s, uh, but really seems like it was uh, being conceived of as early as the late 90s, um this sort of all comes out of the the bankrupt the marvel bankruptcy of the 90s which after the you know the bubble of the comic book industry burst marvel went bankrupt and in the early 2000s completely revamped a lot of their books launched the ultimate universe uh and uh editor joe uh, the then editor-in-chief uh who was editor-in-chief for a long time joe Casada. Uh, hired an, a young upstart from Scotland uh, named Grant Morrison. To can we do write X-Men.
1: Ultimate X-Men someday?
0: If you wanna read more Mark Millar books, we can do Ultimate X-Men. Oh I love I mean,
1: Mark Millar. do I like maybe there not, are... but like from emotionally mind of emotionally, yes, I do want to revisit the Ultimate I... X-Men universe. <laughs>
0: I mean, fair enough. There's there's some curpusaic Ultimate X-Men at some point, I'm pretty sure. There, there's some good writers who eventually take over or write a few issues. Um, but yeah, uh, Morrison was brought in to, to write X-Men. This was their first uh, Marvel book and one of only two Marvel books they've ever written. Get along much better with the editorial wow. of DC, I guess. Maybe I didn't realize only it was guy, too. which is so weird. Yeah. Which is so weird. Morrison is maybe the only guy in the entire industry who like has a better relationship with DC editorial than Marvel editorial. I, I don't know that like what happens behind the scenes, but like every other writer is like DC fucked me. I hate working with DC editors. They fucking suck. I love working at Marvel. They pay me better. And Morrison is just like pumping out a shit ton of DC books and does like one X-Men book and fucks off at Marvel. So I, I don't know how, funny. I don't know how that came to be, but you know, maybe he's just like me and he's just a big DC head
2: from the, from they, the, genre, uh, so. I respect it. I don't know. I don't know. I respect it. Uh, I okay, so the don't don't like I said, the series Oh, oh go ahead. Ooh, no, I yeah, I just think it's it's really like Morrison and Moore are like big enemies kind of thing, and I think that Morrison's just doing it despite Moore being like, I love DC comics. Oh wow. Before Watchmen, yes please. Mm, See,
0: but mm. Morrison and Millar are also enemies, and that this is resulted. Are Morrison and in Millar like...
2: enemies? And this has really? resulted in Morrison Millar Morrison has like...
1: good taste in enemies,
2: I think. <laughs> well, like hey, I'm sorry, like who does Mark Millar think he is to be like, "Oh, Grant Morrison's <laughs> like you're not on the same wave." Like, Well, you're... okay. To be fair, who does Grant Morrison think
0: they are to say Alan Moore is there like Yeah, no... that, that, that's like, you know what. That's fair. I I love Morrison, like, You know but like
1: "Shoot these... for the moon land among the stars."
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, Millar missed the stars too, I guess. I don't know what happened there. Um yeah. But the, the series, as I alluded to, it's largely drawn by Frank Quitely. Uh, he definitely draws most of the issues, but there are a ton of fill-ins with kind of a banger lineup of, you know, you got John Paul Leon, you got Lionel Yu, you got Paul Jimenez, and uh, you unfortunately have the biggest Nazi in comics, Ethan van Skyver, as well, which let me tell yeah, you, God. that like jump scared me when I saw Ethan van Skyver's name. I I had no recollection that he drew
1: I don't know that I saw his name because I wasn't paying that much attention to the. <laughs> yeah uh, I, oh,
0: no. I was I, I was definitely definitely a little taken aback by that, but you know back then everyone thought he was normal i this pre this is like 2001. this predates the thing where he put out an art book called "My Struggle." but yeah, back then no one knew Ethan van Skyver was a Nazi. Fortunately, now we know better. We, we're all aware of this we're
2: Ethan van Skyver? The the comic book artist, the the Green Lantern guy, yeah, an a Nazi,
1: bum, bum, yeah, bra-na-bum.
2: wow, wow, wow.
0: wow. I mean, you, you do really hate to see it, but you know, you also really hate to see Ethan Van Skyver. It's hey, anyway, definitely of these artists, a bit of a step down from the rest, but yeah, it is what it is. Um. But yeah, uh, New X Men ran from May two thousand one to March two thousand four, I believe. I hope I'm getting those dates right. Which, uh, given how the book starts, I I was a little surprised the first time I read this in college to like, you know, look it up and real find out that this book was actually the first like three issues of this book all came out before nine eleven, as opposed to after. Right. Uh, which which we will get to. Um, mm-hmm. But the the one, one other thing that I, I found kind of interesting when I was reading interviews with Morrison from this time, and actually, funnily enough, this is an interview that is basically just a conversation between Morrison and Millar from oh. uh, 2001, uh, and Morrison said that they actually had no interest in doing writing the X Men, uh, and that they thought they'd only ever do it if they could have basically complete creative control mm-hmm. and they didn't think that would be possible until I guess Joe Quesada told them they can, they could tell the story that they wanted to tell. So sure, they, uh, which I, I don't know. I, I think that's kind of, that is kind of interesting yeah. given Just like how much work for hire Morrison did at DC, but was like, I don't really want to do Marvel books, <laughs> you know, but you know, he, he, they did do this one and it worked out. Okay. In my opinion. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I guess I can get into, get into the plot that I alluded to. Um, the reason I'm surprised about the 9-11 thing is that the first story arc in this book involves the island nation of Genosha, which is the sort of mutant haven. It's it run by Magneto, uh, mm-hmm. being completely destroyed by Sentinels, just like absolutely ravaged. I think the number that they throw around is like 16 million mutants yeah. died. Uh, there's like one survivor, and it's Emma Frost on account of the diamond skin. It it, it helped as it turns out.
1: A question. They okay. So I, my, I I have a lot of um, I have a lot of history with the X Men, but as far as like specific X Men comics, like my my uh working knowledge base is kind of patchy had they introduced the diamond skin thing before or was, is this a new thing that was introduced? No.
0: In so comic? the secondary mutations were introduced right before this comic. Okay. So, so I this don't was know. Like
1: new when so Morrison was doing it. Yeah, essentially. Yeah. The okay. diamond
0: skin was new when Morrison was doing it. Actually, they might've come up with a diamond skin for Emma Frost, but I think it's a little before Okay, cause um,
1: I because i knew I knew about that as like part i I knew about that as part of Emma Frost like powers nebulous, yeah, I was the, wondering if this was like uh, where it was introduced or if this was like a a new introduction, et cetera, yeah. et
0: cetera. the the secondary mutation thing is kind of interesting because it starts just before this, but then. Some of the characters don't have their secondary mutations introduced until this run, mm-hmm. and some of them are still getting secondary mutations as recently as like twenty seventeen so you know okay. they, it's the, the it's all over the place, but I think it but it is new at at this time if okay. I remember correctly okay um but yeah uh, Ganosha Genosha is destroyed uh by sentinels, but sentinels under the control of Cassandra Nova uh who is Charles Xavier's twin sister. Who he tried to kill in the womb and like got halfway there and absorbed her and so she's kind of lived inside of him, but she wound up in a, in a body of her own and it's a whole. It's a the Cassandra Nova thing is a whole mess.
2: It's the plot um, of Riverdale season
1: five.
2: Is that the, sure? Is that the evil twin that they? That's the, a e- a that hero? is the
0: evil twin killed in the killed in the womb. Yes, that didn't that, they
1: that is... recently announce that. Cassandra Nova would be like entering the MCU or something. Am I misremembering?
0: I have no Wild. idea that's possible. But I'll I, I'll
1: look into that.
0: Okay. Um that would I mean the X-Men are are there now, so it would make sense for some of those other characters to show okay, up. Okay, it
1: looks like there is a rumor that Cassandra Nova may be a character in Deadpool 3 so uh awesome. okay It possibly that unconfirmed but i just i remember hearing about like an announcement of cassandra nova in the marvel cinematic universe and i was like okay
0: hmm. <laughs> yeah well i mean anyway. she, is, she is an important character so if they're gonna do the x-men I mean, yeah, you, you kind of get she- the cassandra nova eventually
1: but, but but she's a weird character.
0: She is a weird character. That yes, she is a she is a weird So character.
1: like the the concept of how they are going to handle her in the MCU uh or the Deadpool movie or whatever is
0: well comical to me. <laughs> Not to go off on too much of a tangent, but the prevailing rumor is that the Deadpool movie is like a multiverse movie, so I wouldn't be surprised if it's just like, this is okay. the multiverse where Sandra Nova killed Cassandra Nova killed Charles Xavier. In the
1: okay, uh, fine. Yeah, Vice I mean, versa, you're like, unfortunately, you're probably right. <laughs> yeah.
0: They're not going to do the sick thing that this book does where uh, Cassandra Nova rolls up to the X Mansion uh, and they, they think that charles xavier just destroys her like she's nothing and then it turns out that actually she swapped she's she did a little body swap and takes over charles xavier's body and leaves charles's consciousness in her dying body uh which reverse that's technically kind of skipping forward in the plot summary but you know it it is what happens uh and then when she has control of charles's body she begins you know wreaking havoc as one can imagine uh she takes the xavier's school for gifted kids public as being a school for mutants which is a pretty big deal in the in the mutant in the x-men canon uh and then she, she does that and then she's like anyway i'm gonna dip and go hang out with uh, empress Elandry of the shiar empire uh i'm gonna go just you know, to hang out just to hang out just 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 to chill yeah uh so
1: just kicking it <laughs>
0: Yeah, well, have different. fun here, guys. By the way, I installed a, a nano sentinel virus inside all of you. So have I fun wish, that. Did I do that? I, w-
1: <laughs> I wish I could like include live footage of me reacting to <laughs> the word "nano sentinels" in this yeah. podcast.
0: Yeah. So yeah, um, there there is a, a thing that happens in between that's important, which is that the the X Men meet zorn who is this uh cool mutant in a robot skeleton who has a mini supernova for a brain and his his he has healing powers but not like a healing factor like wolverine like he heals other people so which Mm -hmm. is important um so basically as soon as cassandra nova leaves things start going pretty bad for the x-men uh Mm -hmm. they immediately basically immediately have a confrontation with uh a group called the U men are humans that are that are really into transhumanism and love cutting up mutants and taking part and incorporating parts of those mutants into their own bodies and then going and killing mutants Uh, so they uh, well I guess the the sequence of events is that Cyclops and Emma Frost kind of go to try and head it off they end up being captured by the U-men and while that's happening the U-men are storming uh, the uh, Xavier Institute. And while all that's happening, Wolverine is running around meeting new mutants. Um, particularly a, a mutant named Angel who who has these, like, pixie wings and, and can fly and and Because spit we didn't acid. have a
1: mutant named Angel before and that's not confusing at
0: all. Well, no, he's called Archangel now. It
1: doesn't but... matter! <laughs> like, she, like, She's uh, she's like a pixie or a fairy or whatever. Yeah. You don't need to call her angel. Well, I don't
0: think they wanted to call her fairy.
1: No, uh, no, no. I just time. mean but... like I just mean that angel is not even accurate in a yeah, descriptive it, manner. It, yeah. Like yeah. Well, they me, could have yeah. called her literally anything else, but for some reason they had to call her angel. But,
0: yeah, it's it's it is confusing. Given you know, that it's not that
1: a... it's confusing. I find it annoying.
0: Oh, okay, fair enough. Or because like I get like
1: it, at this point you can differentiate between like her and Archangel because he is Archangel at yeah. the points where they are together in the canon, but like it's it's just still like there are so there are so many other names in the English yeah. language. I, like, yeah, yeah. Th-
0: there's lots of words they could have used. Yes. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Anyway, I agree. That's
0: um yeah she and wolverine have like a testy relationship that you know wolverine's not the easiest guy to hang out with Uh, we can leave it at that uh it all sort of comes to a head wolverine and angel kind of show up back at the x mansion at the same time that scott and emma are able to free themselves and you know together all of the x-men are there and they you know completely roll the U men also with the help of some of the uh the the students at the at the school um but if you think this is the last time xavier's academy is going to be beset by uh invaders you would be wrong uh because just a few issues later here comes the shiar empire under the control of cassandra nova uh sending their elite uh superheroes to you know exterminate the the mutants uh, Scott again finds himself Captured this time with Zorn instead of Emma Scott Summers cannot help Himself he loves being tied up
1: Look, And you know what maybe that's is, why he has to
0: cheat On Gene
1: He is the damsel in distress
0: He is he, he truly is um, th- Around this time is also when the uh, X-Men are really starting to be uh, Feel the effects Of the nano sentinels uh, Beast and Gene and Scott Are all kind of out of it uh, because of the the nano sentinels, um, Beast uh, is able to figure out a way to sort of stabilize them, um, and some of the students st- step up in a big way, particularly Beak, uh, who is a new character, and the Stepford Cuckoos, who are not new characters but get way more of a spotlight in this run, um, and they're all able to to, to hold the line and, and ward off the the Shi'ar well. Uh, Gene is working to save Charles's consciousness from the dying body of Cassandra Nova, which she does by absorbing his entire consciousness into her, which leads to moments where over the course of the next couple issues, where sometimes you see Gene and it's Gene speaking, and sometimes you see Gene and it's Charles Xavier speaking. Uh, and I think that it's a decent job of, you know, there's a lot of body swapping in, in this book. Uh, especially, especially in in, in consciousness the segments that swapping. We read. Yeah, yeah, I guess consciousness swapping. Yeah, um, they're able to thanks to a myriad of, st- of things, particularly you know Charles Xavier being back in the mix and uh, some of the Shi'ar realizing that they've been duped by Cassandra Nova. Uh, they're all able to to join forces and finally defeat uh, her once and for all and trap her in the body. Uh, of a shiar shapeshifter, uh, where she, you know, won't be able to to, to accomplish a whole lot. Um, and at the end of this battle is where Jean's secondary mutation comes out, uh, which is, oh my god, she has Phoenix powers! Wow! Every we time Jean Grey gets Phoenix guess. powers, this always goes well.
1: So this is Jean this Jean is not, not the first
2: time. This is a, this is an ancient Jean Grey.
0: Segment. So. Yeah, yeah. So, so yeah. the first. Okay. This is the second time I think that the Phoenix shows up. Uh, the first time is a. Uh, I think this is. This might be the... I don't. It's it's the Phoenix but it's is around still here.
2: A lot. It's still here. As long as no one like this time, it's going to go. Relationship go well. with her breaks up yeah. with her or cheats on her. I think we're good. I think we're this like, time things are yeah. going to go well. Um.
0: Anyway, Charles gets his body back. Also, uh, thanks to Zorn healing him, and now he can walk again. Which.
1: He's newbo goofing
0: out here. Not not a secondary mutation. Just Zorn is so OP in his healing ability that he he he. Zorn is so cool. Zorn just like shows up and Zorn rocks. I I love cool. Zorn. Uh, yeah. Looks at the camera knowingly. You guys are gonna love what happens with Zorn in the next few issues. Oh no! Uh, <laughs> so I do like that- Zorn. <laughs> <laughs> now that oh I, Zorn's yeah I like Zorn. Yeah, um, now that the TV. X-Men are in the public eye, Charles decide, kind of realizes, hey, maybe I should have done this from the beginning. Maybe it was a bad idea to keep the, this this hidden the whole time. So he, he founds the X-Corporation as, as a way to give mutants uh, an ability to, an outlet to, to actually help people in, in a more physical capacity than just being a super team. Um, and one of the teams is dispatched to, to respond to what I believe they think is a chemical weapons threat. Uh, which they figure out is actually Weapon 12, the 12th iteration of the weapons program that created Wolverine, uh, which is a series of uh, mutants who were experimented on, experimented on by human scientists to create uh, these new weapons. Um, and while uh, that team is down in the tunnels fighting Weapon 12, uh, a new guy called Phantom X... Also another favorite of th- there's so many of my boys in the, in this in this book by the way Phantom X I fucking love Phantom X. Uh Phantom X shows up uh to Charles and Jeannie, tells them I'm the greatest thief, thief in the world and I'm a mutant and I stole all the information about this secret weapons program and I'll sell it to you all for 1 billion dollars. Uh and Charles is like can I can I not pay you and he's and then Phantom X is like sure. We can just go 10, 12 <laughs> together. And it turns out Phantom X is not who he says he is. He is in fact weapon thirteen. Uh, but he just kind of dips. He's not like he he's not trying to fuck with the X Men or, or kill mutants. He 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 just he just gets out at the end. Um while well, Charles and, and multiple man are defeating weapon twelve. And Jean Gray gets so horny, she lets Phantom X escape. Which is, you know, I I, I, it, I it's so stupid, but and you know what? Jean Jean Grey is getting horny for Phantom X, and Scott's getting horny for Emma Frost, and they start having an aff- a telepathic affair, uh, which is awesome. emotional cheating.
2: But a little yeah. more than that, because it's like it's more than
0: emotional cheating. They are fucking in Emma's uh, in Emma's mind palace. So, but they're not like physically fucking. Uh, no. And Emma does this thing where she turns herself into Jean Grey, and it's it's a whole thing. Um, it's also important to note, not for anything that we read for the future. This is where Dust is introduced, who is uh, a new mutant who can transform into dust or sand or whatever. I like Dust. Uh, yeah, she's cool. Fan of uh, dust. And then, and then the last arc uh, that we read uh, after all of this has transpired. There's there's some like kind of like one off issues. There's one where they go to Genosha. Uh, and find Polaris and, and and a couple other things that happen in between. Zorn takes some kids on a camping trip, um, but the last art that we read really focuses on two groups of younger mutants: the Omega Gang, uh, which is run by Quentin Quire, my favorite X Men character. Uh, Shocking and...
1: <laughs> to everyone involved.
0: <laughs> so he basically finds out that he's adopted, and it shatters his mind. So he's like, "I have to become the guys from a Clockwork Orange." And so he and Glob, Tattoo, Redneck, and Radian uh, become the guys from the Clockwork Orange right down to taking epic drugs that make them more powerful. Um, and then the second group is... and Oh, and the important thing about them is that they're like these sort of anti-human zealots. They they uh-huh. disagree with uh, Charles. They're, they're the new Magneto, because Magneto's dead. Yes. Um, for sure. For really, truly, yeah, for sure. For yeah. are real this time. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: um, yeah. The other group is uh, a cla- is called the special class, uh, which are, I guess, for 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 lack of a better term, some of the more fucked up looking mutants. Um, it's a class that's that's run by Zorn and consists of Angel and Beak, who we've talked about already, uh, Basilisk. Uh, who has is a one eyed cyclops, but he can't call himself cyclops, even though he also has cyclops' powers. Uh, this whole thing, and then there's Dummy, who is just a guy in a, a, just gas in a suit that smells like farts. Apparently, they talk about this a lot. Um, Ernst, uh, who has super strength, and Martha Johnson, uh, Martha Johansson, not Martha Johnson, who is just a brain in a vat, who has uh, telekinesis. Uh, or telepathy. Um, All of of this sort of comes to a head when uh, there's a a, a famous mutant designer who's murdered supposedly by humans, and Quentin and the Omega gang uh, really start getting violent. They go out and just start, you know, beating and killing random non-mutants. And when there's this big open house that the X-Men are planning... And they start a riot on campus uh, during that open house. Um, they kidnap Charles Xavier. Quentin Quire being you know probably the most powerful telepath in, in the X Men in the Marvel universe, uh, is also able to defeat Wolverine and a bunch of other a bunch of the other X Men. Um, and it all uh, is finally put to an end when one of the Stefford Cuckoo's, uh, Sophie. Uh puts on Cerebro and just fucking zaps Quentin. <laughs> uh and leading up to that, I mean Charles Xavier had already freed himself and uh the other X-Men sort of take out the, the the members of the Omega gang uh one by one. Um but the the real victory is when Sophie uh is able to to take out Quentin. Uh but she unfortunately dies doing it. Um just the shock of putting on cerebra or cerebro and expending that that kind of mental energy just completely depletes her. Um, and the other, the surviving four Stepford Cuckoos blame Emma Frost uh, for that because you know she implanted ideals of being a superhero into Sophie's head, and Sophie wanted to save the day and she got killed doing it. And how do the Cuckoo sisters take their revenge? Well, they go into Emma's brain, find out about the affair, and who do they tell but Jean Grey. And uh, what we read ends with Jean coming back to uh, the Xavier's Institute and walking in on uh, Emma and Scott mind-fucking. And simultaneously, uh, Zorn is unable to save Quentin Quire, and he dies. Uh, before being able to reveal his secondary mutation. So, I know it's a lot. It was like a 20 minute plot summary, but it's a fucking Morrison book. So,
1: there's I, so who's, much that
0: I <laughs> surprised. There's other stuff I didn't mention. There's some stuff that we'll get to, I think, in some of the questions uh, when we start talking about it. But um, I'm curious to hear what your guys' familiarity was with the X Men before reading this, what you've read before. Um And I Like how many characters Did you recognize is also something That I'm interested in hearing which that number may actually Be higher for both of you than I was expecting But
1: it's um, I, I know, assure honest, you sure. before we get into this It is much higher than you were Expecting for me uh, I would like to hear Alex's history With the X-Men because I feel like I'm gonna Like ramble a lot So
2: mm, Thank you thank you I mean I'm an X-Men hater Always have been always will be um, I Hell think they yeah. suck, but yeah. I mean, I never really read any of the comics for for like when I was getting into comics. I was like, ah, oh, DC, yeah, let's go, let's go. <laughs> so no room, no room for any mutants or new mutants or old mutants or uh, all that. You
1: might say no more mutants.
2: I have been known to say that a lot. It's just just chanting in the streets, just just going at it. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's um, I think I read a couple ones i think marvel now had like x-men gold and x-men blue and x-men things a bunch of different x-men colors read that and then the latest one i read which actually did enjoy was uh, jean-luc would know but it's like a few years ago and magneto's back and they have their own like place again and it it was pretty cool but yeah i don't know x-men were always just kind of like eh, they're okay they're there yeah but the hickman stuff right the Hickman stuff, yeah, yes, yeah. So I read that stuff, and I, I guess I saw First Class, Days of Future Past, and then the bad ones that came after those two. Um, what about so, the bad
0: ones? Became before those two?
2: No, I didn't. I haven't seen any of the original X Men movies. So. Oh, really? Wait, okay. really? I'm not a singer head, unlike unlike some people.
0: Yeah, Alex does not uh, approve of Brian Singer's uh, nope. pedophilia. Unlike everyone, okay. Listen, of the X Men movies. <laughs>
1: Yep,
2: yep, that's the official stance.
0: Alex is the only anti-pedophile host of Crying in the Book Club.
2: Not true. We are an (laughs) anti-pedophile
0: podcast.
1: (laughs) It's
2: weird you got to say that, but um, yeah, that's my X-Men experience. (laughs) Emily.
1: Oh, boy. Okay, so what you need to understand is that I was 10 years old when X2 came out, and... Uh, I didn't see it right when it came out, but I did... I was shown the X-Men movies not long after X2 made it onto DVD. So I was, like, fully X-Men-pilled by the time that X3, The Last Stand, came out. Uh, And I... My actual reading history with the X-Men is kind of patchy. Uh, I have definitely read a lot of Ultimate X-Men. And I read uh, New X-Men, like Generation X or something. I don't remember what the actual, like, I don't remember what the comic is called. But it's, like, shortly after this, honestly, which is why I recognized uh, Dust, but uh I when I was a kid I got my parents to buy me a book that was called the X-Men Encyclopedia and so rather than mm. I, rather than necessarily dive into reading all of the X-Men comics, something that I did do was obsessively read all this of makes the- a lot The biographical information of uh, a lot of X-Men characters, and uh, so, like... I actually, reading this was kind of like, this was a treat for me because there were a lot of characters that I had like read like their little X-Men encyclopedia entries for, but had never read anything that they had actually been in. And then they showed up in this comic because you know, when you're getting a Morrison comic, you're getting the deep cut characters. Like Morrison loves to like mine the deep, depths for like the most obscure characters that they can include in a thing or make up the weirdest characters that you could possibly imagine and i don't actually know how many characters were like i don't know how many of these characters were conceived of in this run or are like but, but there were just there were a lot of characters that I recognized from reading the X-Men Encyclopedia as a child that I had never actually read in anything before
0: interesting. So do you know the Zorn
1: twist? um, i I know I remember like I liked I liked Zorn as a kid. I don't fully remember okay. the Zorn twist don't, I don't think okay. but I that's, also that's, I watched some of the. Another thing is that I did watch some of the like 90s uh X-Men cartoon because yeah. I used to watch it sometimes when it the like reruns would play on like Disney XD. Gotcha. Uh, so I, I was really excited to see the Shiar when they showed up here. Yeah. Yeah. Um yeah, like I I don't know, there's something about like all of the like space insanity that x-men also get up to that i just find delightful uh so yeah like this was this was actually quite a treat for me to to read
0: yeah i i bet reading the encyclopedia they probably do recognize a ton of these characters Mm because a lot of them do go on like some of the characters were newer at the time, like not Morris, like Quentin Quire, I don't think is a Morrison creation, but he had like just been introduced relatively recently and mm-hmm. then, you know, goes on to become a more important, more integral character later on, but
1: mm-hmm. although not so
0: much anymore. Uh, well, that's cool. I, I, I didn't expect you to be a big X-Men head, but- Oh, uh, I love it. That. I cool. mean- you should-
1: it, it shouldn't actually surprise you because, like, the X-Men have always been, like, at their core, uh, like, a, a metaphor for, like, disenfranchised oh, yeah. uh, groups. And I am the resident SJW. Yeah. The the, the uh, X-Men encyclopedia, it, it was specifically the Marvel Encyclopedia Volume 2, X-Men, and it came out in 2003. So that's what we're... okay. That's what we're working with, as far as my uh, knowledge of the the X Men in many ways is concerned.
0: Uh huh. Well, okay. That that is that's cool. So, Uh, so like, right after this opposite opposite spectrums on the x-men scale you've got alex who like i keep telling god you should read these x-men comics and he tells me to kill myself (laughs) and you who are just like i love x-men and i've never told you to read an x-men comic no you should
1: tell me to read more x-men
0: comics i guess um cool uh well i guess since we've done that what did you guys i did you guys like this what you got what were your sort of like general general thoughts on uh what we read of, of the new X-Men.
1: I, I enjoyed this. Uh, as I said, like, it, it was a, a treat to get to see so many X-Men characters that I just, like, had kind of, like, stored in the recesses of my brain. But also, uh, I mentioned this in the group chat, but I remember now that uh, when I was in high school, my local comic book shop had a poster of, like, the volume one cover or whatever for... Uh, for this run of the X-Men and so like seeing it when I was reading was very nostalgic in that way
2: yeah Alex I liked it I again like I kind of like Emily or I'm not sure how many of these characters are brand new for this run how many of these characters we knew about and I feel like when I was reading Hickman's X-Men it was like I'm reading the end of a story of something that people have been reading for like 40 years. And it's like, it's a big change now. And I'm like, well, this is all I know. So, I mean, it's a good story. It's written well, but like emotional stakes wise, I'm not like, whoa, this is crazy. Um, But this one kind of came at a time where I'm like, I think it kind of hit perfectly for me where, you know, I know about Magneto and and Scott and Jean Grey and all these, all these characters. And they're all doing their thing. And Emma Frost. and um, Yeah, I really liked it. And it turns out that Morrison writes well, no matter what. Publisher is working at. Working Something at.
1: we did like about this series is that it does kind of you are like if you're just starting with this run, the way that we are, like you are kind of dropping in in media res, like down to them not changing the numbering of the comic. uh I yeah. I don't know. I I appreciate that. I. I understand when comics try to like, you know, uh onboard new readers by uh doing introductory stuff, but I like I liked the experience of this, like, you're just like joining the X-Men, like they've been See, up to shit, and like you're you're gonna be a part of it now.
0: This is the thing is, is that like this is the way that like most people who get into superhero comics get into them. Like yeah. Alex Alex read Darkest Night and then was like, I gotta read every DC New 52 book. And I read yeah. Batman Hush and was like, I gotta read every DC New 52 Oh yeah, book.
1: Batman Hush was so, also like one of my introductory books to yeah. in comics.
0: Like but this is how everyone who like People don't need like there's there all kinds all the time you hear that like oh my god comic superhero comics aren't new reader friendly it's so hard to get into but like most people who get into they just read random shit that they find at a Barnes and Noble for half price or whatever. Yeah. And then are just like I love all of this, so and it's kind yeah. of like the 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 it's kind of the quintessential experience of reading comics. You're just like, yeah, we're just going to start. I mean, this is not a random X Men run; like, it is yeah. a critically acclaimed, well known yeah. X Men run. Which, but to be fair, like most of the X Men runs are like fairly well known.
1: Um, when I say but, random, I just mean like you're not opening up like a specific graphic yeah. novel.
0: Yeah, 100%. It's, yeah. It, it, it takes place in the
2: continuity. Yeah. Um, it, like it, I mean, it's throwing so many things at you, but it Morrison, they do a great job of making it also new reader-friendly in, yeah. in, in a way where, like, you just need to know the, that these characters exist. And if you know these characters exist, it's just them doing their daily stuff. Like,
1: Morrison trusts the reader to be able to keep up. And there are a lot of higher-ups in comics who do not trust the average reader to keep up.
0: Yeah. And I get well, and that also, because
1: there are a lot of readers who are just fucking dumb as rocks. But,
0: you know. And it's, you kind of back, it's kind of a back-to-basics thing, too, right? Like, the main characters in the... Like, when this book starts, the main characters are Wolverine, Beast, Jean Grey, Professor X, and Cyclops.
1: The and classics. Emma Frost.
0: But, like, it's like... Well, it's the classics, but except for Iceman and Angel, who... Are the original X Men, but like don't have the same like pop culture cachet necessarily. Like people don't really know them as much. Uh, but yeah, like it is like the characters that people know, and then Morrison builds like a, a bigger cast around around those characters, um, which is you know really fun. I think. Uh, so I, I I've got some. I guess I I should say. I also like Morrison's new X-Men. I read it for the first time in college and I loved it then. And it was really cool revisiting it. Um, I, I think like it has some of my favorite character drama with the X-Men. I, it was funny reading in college. Cause I had, you know, obviously X-Men first class had come out and I'd seen all the X-Men movies and it was like, Oh wow. This is so much of those movies is inspired by, by what's here. Like the, the Jean Grey, Emma Frost stuff, like it's all it's all here. I just think uh, so, Jean, Jean Grey and Emma Frost um,
1: should kiss. That's my takeaway. Yeah, well, this
0: whole thing. Good luck. Good. Uh, good well, luck. I that. know it's not going right. to
1: happen, but like j- the song can live in my heart. It doesn't. One mean yeah. they, they
0: did they did make, like, Iceman's gay now, and... should like, always
1: been gay. Be and And
0: Ro- Rogue and Mystique are gay now. So, like, there are, you know... the beast, so- beast
2: is Mystique not... Mystique also beast always Beast is just messing with, with his ex-girlfriend. We'll, we'll, we'll get to the Beast thing in a... We'll yeah. Oh, my God, yeah.
1: We will talk about the Beast thing.
2: <laughs> Actually, let's just talk
0: about the Beast thing now. I mean... Sure. It's kind of <laughs> interesting, because, like... When Alex brought it up. Like... The X Men, Emily said this, but like they are, have always been like metaphors for disenfranchised uh, people. And in this run, I feel like a lot of that is like, there's a lot, a lot of the early X Men stuff is like very civil rights coded, whereas this is like, this run is very much like, oh, yeah, a lot of these guys are like, we're going to use like a lot of queer signifiers yeah, for There, for some there of characters. is a period mm-hmm.
1: of the early 2000s where there is like a clear shift in X-Men from being a race metaphor to being a sexual orientation metaphor. Yeah. And not that the race metaphor totally goes away, especially depending on like who's writing the X-Men, but like there's like a there's like kind of a delineation between like where the metaphor shifts and I feel like you can also kind of attribute unfortunately you can kind of attribute that to the Bryan Singer movies I mean Bryan Singer for better for worse is a gay man and like you can see the like gay you can see the gay metaphor all over the Brian Singer X-Men movies. Like there's e- the, in X2, there's like the, as far as gay people go, I don't know if the scene is infamous for, for you guys, but, uh, the like the scene with, uh, with Iceman and his family. And they're like, have you ever just tried not being a mutant is so like, <laughs> have you ever just tried not being gay? Like that? It's just like, it, it's all over and it um you you definitely see that as like an element of this book as well and i imagine that you know part of that comes from uh you know i know that uh morrison wasn't like you know out at this time but uh not being a a cisgender person themselves yeah Uh, i mean that was probably an influence there
0: yeah, I mean, you you can definitely see that, I think, throughout Morrison's catalog.
1: But the Beast stuff. It, it oh makes my sense God. in
0: retrospect. But the Beast thing, I didn't mention I, the plot summary because I, I knew we were going to get to it. There was a subplot where Beast uh, comes out to the public as being gay. And even he acknowledges wow. that he's not. And
1: let's, um, let's be clear, I don't know that Beast actually comes out okay. what happens is that he says yeah. that he thinks he might be gay to his ex-girlfriend, and then she yeah. lets that to the lets that go to the press, which he said that knowing that she would do that. So I guess it is kind of, but yeah. yeah it,
0: and then he decides to just run with it too, where he's like, well, you know who who better than me like to you know be a voice for the downtrodden?
1: who better than me, a heterosexual man to be a <laughs> voice for the downtrodden
0: Well, to be fair, he is like a big blue dog, like he you know he, yeah, he, he may be a straight man, but that, he I is think. down beast is downtrodden in a way sure, you know?
1: but he's not gay.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, no he's, i know yeah. I'm, yeah I'm i'm curious how you guys feel about the application of this metaphor like both with the beast stuff but also like i mean there's a lot of other characters where i think it's a little more subtle i mean you know there's there's something about quentin choir wearing makeup and like an omega squad like dressing the way they do that is feels very kind of has that kind of coding and, and there's some other characters as well so i'm Curious how you feel that uh, this book handles that, especially given that it's, you know, over 20 years old.
1: In another comic written by another person, I could imagine this being worse than it is. And, And let me be clear, I don't love it. I think that it's very goofy and kind of dumb and not... I you know I guess I I did miss the last two issues of the book so that's on me so I don't know if this ma- <laughs> uh, I don't know if this magically resolves but um, I like I didn't love it but like it also I didn't find the way that it played out to be offensive and uh, that is saying something for a comic written in the early two thousands uh, yeah. You know, I I feel like I kind of get what it's going for, but that I also think it's very silly. And that, you know, maybe this point could have been gotten across in a different way, but I guess I'm also not like a comic writer, so I don't have like a suggestion for a better way to like not that I think that there couldn't be a better way, just that I don't have a better way of of going about this necessarily. So, know, yeah. I guess my, my reaction is um like a chuckle and a shrug.
2: Yeah, it feels a little like
1: it's definitely dated.
2: I it's dated and like if you if, if this came out this year, I'd be like it's a little amateurish in what it is, but it's it was it was 20 years ago and again we've seen We've read a lot of books that aren't just like, oh, that's like a little, that's, that's, that's kind of poor. We've seen ones that are like, oh, this is like, this is really offensive nowadays. We're like, this is, you know, wow. This book this is didn't critically pull acclaimed. out
1: the art until volume four.
2: Yeah. Impressive yeah. stuff. Why did it wait that long? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> um, I don't know. We'll, we'll talk about that, but yeah. Um... Yeah. It's kind of yeah. in some ways
0: undercut by like what feels like an editorial decision to not have any of the characters actually be queer. That's uh, you know, I hadn't like,
1: I hadn't actually like that hadn't for whatever reason had not necessarily entered into my mind but that makes um it makes more sense if they were potentially actually going to like go with maybe a gay beast angle and had to kind yeah. of walk it back. Uh, the, there's I thought the walking back felt very jarring when I read it, so
2: yeah
0: yeah there, there is a part of me that wonders if it's a, if it's kind of an editorial decision um and, and part of me that wonders like how they would uh like, how Morrison might have wanted the story to unfold versus like how yeah. it had to unfold with with some of the the limitations Th- yeah. there are some interesting things like i mean it's not exactly the same thing obviously but like there there are there is like the angel and uh beak subplot where like beak is not like human well mm-hmm. none of them are human they're all they're all mutants but like there there are he like sort of
1: humanoid
0: yeah, he's a bird. Uh, well, he's a he's a bipedal bird. He's a bird and, and so,
1: man.
0: Yeah, and so there, there's some things that, like, I guess you might think of, like, from a sexuality perspective, you might think of as being like transgressive for the time, hmm. but it's still like a heterosexual relationship, right? So it's not like they go all. And, and this has kind of always been. I mean, it's kind of always been the X Men's problem, right? Which is that, like, I mean, they did the civil rights metaphor, but all the X Men were white. And mm-hmm. then they yeah. do the queer rights metaphor and all the X-Men are straight. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: Uh, not anymore, but at the time.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah.
2: And it's a lot um, of like metaphors for like, oh, like it's obvious what they're saying and thing, but they're like, yeah, but it's a metaphor. Well, yeah,
0: it's the kind of thing where it's like, yeah, you know, you could read between the, the, the lines in the 80s and be like, oh, yeah, Iceman was always gay. But like he wasn't yeah. explicitly gay until
2: like 2000. No, and I'm And, yeah. you know, some writers, so. some writers didn't write him as 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 a gay person because it was like, yeah. you know, there's, there's so many things there. But yeah. Um, what i will say
0: is that and and this kind of leaves aside like the 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 queerness but i i do think that morrison kind of i think morrison does a good job with the sort of disenfranchisement of the the of the mutants um in the way that he portrays it because a lot of the time there is sort of the foul there is sort of the like disconnect of like Well, you can't really oppress these people because they will fucking kill you. I mean, like, Wolverine will just run run you through. But the way that, like, you see sort of paramilitary violence used against the X-Men in ways that seem to have no consequences, like, nothing happens when Genosha gets completely destroyed. Like, there's no response. Nobody fucking
1: cares. When the the the
0: U-Men, yeah, when the U-Men show up and, like, like at a school where there are like a lot of kids and they just start go there with the intent of like killing and butchering them. Like there's no ramifications for it. Um, And then what I also like is that there is the, there is a significant part of the story that's about like how once they go out into the public and start doing stuff like their poll numbers, start. they're like their poll numbers start getting better. And that's something. And then there's this sort of like, I don't know if it's self doubt but this but there's there, there's it's an interesting take on on professor x in the sense that he's like well maybe I was wrong about something and you know there it's it's not all the time that you you see professor x admit that he might have been wrong about something mm-hmm. and then he gets confronted by quentin quire which I think is also an an interesting aspect of the story because it really pits that ideological conflict between that was traditionally between Magneto and professor X in a different light, Right. Where now you have like when it's with Magneto, Magneto obviously has the history of being a Holocaust survivor, which, which informs his background, but what informs Quentin's decisions is very different. And it's, you know, seeing like there's the fashion designer the mutant who's just killed who he thinks it it doesn't end up that he was killed by by humans but like quentin Quire sees a bunch of like explicit like anti-mutant violence right Mm -hmm. whereas so he's a little bit different than than 90 in a sense and i'm curious how you felt about i mean i know it doesn't really come into play until towards the end of what we read but how you guys felt about that ideological conflict between uh quentin and, and charles um in what we read
1: I I find that there's always really like when it comes to mutant ideology, it feels like there's such a, it feels like there's, there's such a range of the, of ways that that characters should be able to respond because like the stakes for mutants, range drastically depending on the mutant because like you have people who look and can pass normally as like a regular human in their everyday life and then you have like big blue cat men and so like the i i I don't know i it's always interesting to see how writers handle the difference between like what a character, like, I don't know. uh, Emma Frost is going to base or is going to face in her daily life versus somebody like Beak.
2: Yeah. I mean, I think my, I think the stuff with Quentin and and, and those X-Men, I think it's, like I like the idea of it, and especially when it's not, it's not someone who's like been against um you know been against Charles Xavier all these years. He's not he's not mm-hmm. this like person who's grown and has all this stuff happening. It's a young kid who's like, hey, this is my life. This is what I've experienced so far, and it's like not any less valid than what Magneto has sort of experienced. Not to say like it's just it's it's a very different thing, and it's also like you know this book's about the new mutants. It's about this this new group of mutants who are growing and and do going this evolving world. So thought that was cool it just i think it was pretty rushed is is my issue like that whole arc feels like great like the act happens where the guy ends up dying then they react to it then they you know they stop wolverine and then they get put down and that's like and then he dies and it's just like i would have loved if this was a longer a longer form thing where it's actually happening and you actually get to like hear from them more than like oh we're gonna kill humans because we deserve to live and it's like eh. There is an aspect of it that it's
0: very. It, it's very. I understand what the rushed aspect of it. I, I think part of it too is that like Morrison is writing teenagers who don't have like ideological priors in the same way. Like they're just they're just reacting to what they see. And and for all his bluster, like Quentin Quire doesn't really have a well defined stance or ideology. He just is angry because he's yeah. a kid. And he sees shitty things happen in the world and he, and he, he, he takes out of them, which is, you know, I think the, there's the bit where Wolverine actually says like, Hey, we should just like be normal about it. And Emma Frost is like, we need to beat the shit out of Quentin Choir. And this is before (laughs) like he does anything. And she's like, I will kill that child.
2: And I I believe that Emma Frost would do that. But
0: I mean,
1: that tracks for her.
2: Yeah. Emma Frost is very entertaining in this book also, just like Emma Frost on, all, on, on all fronts, just uh, probably my favorite character in here. She well, is mo-
1: Mother contrasts this whole book.
0: <laughs> it does rock because, like, she was, like, you know, on Genosha. Like, she's not traditionally, like, a protagonist. She's traditionally a villain. Listen, we
1: love a Vegeta. And- like...
0: Sure, I I guess. I I don't know what a Vegeta is. Well, I know it's from Dragon Ball.
1: Vegeta is a character in the series Dragon Ball Z who starts off as an antagonist but Uh uh, becomes... Uh, something of sort of just a weird reformed uncle to the, okay. yeah. the group of protagonists. I,
0: I wouldn't say Emma Frost is reformed, but yeah, similar idea. Well, I mean, look, idea. he's still evil. Yeah. He's
1: just not like doing evil shit is yeah. the thing. Yeah, yeah. And I feel yeah, like that part. is also kind of where Emma stands is like she still yeah. has her own like ideological principles, but she's not out there like being an adversary for them.
0: Yeah, 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 she's sort of been brought into the fold, which is also just because it's like, well, yeah, it makes sense because these are the last mutants left, right? Like there the there was a significant population, and now
1: they're all dead. So much what like in is, Dragon Ball else? C, there are only so many Saiyans There left. you
0: go, there you go. So where else is, is Emma gonna go? Um, yeah, I, I I I I love Quentin Quire. I I think there there's better Quentin stuff in the future. But because like Alex says, this is very like, the, it, it, it is, it is, it is very condensed into those, those few issues. Um, but, but I actually want to go back to something that Emma mentioned, or, or Emily, not Emma uh, mentioned earlier about uh, the, the, the mutants who like some of them just look normal and some of them don't. I mean, one of my favorite issues of, from what we read is the sort of one shot where Zorn goes into mutant town or into, or into the city and uh investigates like this dog that's disappeared and finds that it's a a mutant kid who is like eight years old but this like massive brown monster like or gray monster like and not human at all and the police end up killing it because they just think oh this is the marvel universe if something like that exists it's probably evil Mm -hmm. um and and there's a this like it's a really humanizing moment for zorn too who like it's 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 interesting to suss out early on, like where kind of where Zorn fits into all of it, because you know, when when they bring him back into the fold, I mean he's he's in a Buddha I think a Buddhist monastery, just mm-hmm. like living a life of peace, and then a few issues later you see him just completely snap when the U men try to, to kill the to, to kill the kid the 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 special class. Um but yeah, I, I mean that's I, I, I think it's interesting. I, I think it'll be interesting to come back to it too on the next episode when we've sort of wrapped this up because mm-hmm. there's definitely some more stuff along those lines that's, uh, that's yeah.
2: coming. I mean, I mean, Zorn so far, I don't know if he's a before character or an after character or what. No, what Morrison this, created this um, Zorn, I believe, is okay. a
0: Morrison creation. Cool.
2: Yeah, I just like...
1: Okay, um, I did just look up the Zorn twist. Why? But, well, I mean, I'm going to get to it. Like, I remember that there no, was No, I know, a- but why... <laughs> Oh, I remember I that there was me. I remember that there was a twist. I just couldn't remember uh-huh. what it was. Look at yeah, Well
0: yeah. now you know. But you'll Look, you'll get to it. It I will know, not
1: it will not take anything away from me. I it's, assure it's you. It's
0: pretty soon. It's coming up pretty soon, too. So sure. it, it, it's, it's not good. like it's like the last issue of the of the of the series or whatever. Well, so far as um, I,
2: I like, you know, Calm Guy just here to help mutants doing doing his thing. Yeah. Her thing, their thing. I'm not sure. Look
1: as far as. Concern. zorn is a good boy and i don't have to think about anything else
0: yeah zorn, oh, he no. is zorn is zorn, zorn's
2: got a good heart okay um okay
0: yeah okay
2: but yeah I, I i did also really i think that was also my standout issue mostly because a lot of the other stuff is like so multi-issue kind of sprawling story so it's hard to like yeah. pick one that's a standout but that that one where it's like it's that kid, and it's and Zorn's just like he never got to get his his mutant powers about to be awakened.
0: Yeah, gonna...
2: well that that's what I love so much about
0: it too, right? Is the the idea that like the mute like there's a there's a uniqueness to every mutant that's different than like the uniqueness to every human, where like it, yeah. it is truly like special and and one of a kind. But anyway. Yeah. That's that's
1: something that I like about mutants as like a type of character in the Marvel universe as opposed to just like normal superheroes or whatever. Because like other superheroes tend to just like, even though there are some weird superheroes, like most superheroes tend to just have like superhero like powers. Whereas mutants, like, it can just be fucking anything. Like mutants can have any sort of weird bullshit and they don't necessarily have to have like a, you don't have to have a logic as to like, how is this character going to be useful in a superhero team? Because they can just show up and be a mutant in like, you know, the, the for all intents and purposes, the background of an issue and then like,
2: yeah.
1: you know, not have yeah. to come back or whatever. And, and, and they
0: can look they kind of fucked
2: up. Powers or anything? And they can she look like...
1: kind of fucked up. That's yeah. the best part.
2: Yeah
0: um I like it better when they do when they're yeah when they're fu- a little fucked up Yeah, yeah uh i guess the kind of transition um a big part of the x-men's appeal has always been like the melodrama of the of the characters uh and obviously you know we've alluded to the to the gene scott emma it's not a love triangle i guess because writers are cowards about gene and emma but you know, it, it is sort of a love triangle. Um, and there's there's other stuff, like, in that uh, same, uh, similar vein. So I'm curious how you got like, if you guys enjoyed the, the character drama and some of the romance stuff. Uh, and, like, if any of that stood out to you. Um, and just hey. general thoughts on, on that aspect
2: just, of the book. So it's like it's happening as, you know, Gene and, Gene and Scott are kind of drifting away because I guess Scott came back or he was dead or is now. So I don't know. Yeah, okay, there was so, something that happened um, to him.
1: John, what happened to Scott before this? They keep well, alluding to it. They keep, <laughs> they keep like referencing it. You're back, but, like now, I didn't, I didn't look into it. What happened to Scott before this?
0: Well, I, know I mean that's
1: a part of this, like in media res. Like what happened? Yeah, to Scott? I,
0: yeah, yeah. So it's the 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 the, sh- the the short version of it is that he had his mind controlled by yeah. apocalypse who when they reference uh what's his name Ensaba Nur, that's yeah. uh, apocalypse who is you know from the age of apocalypse mm-hmm. famous x-men story yes. um he he had like my uh, he had like mind controlled scott and i don't remember the specifics but uh he it, it, it had basically like as scott alludes to like completely opened his mind and his perspective and and kind of changed him as a person um, and so he was like evil, but it wasn't really, it wasn't really him, but it also was, um, because like he was mind controlled, but also like he, his mind was open to so many like new different things that like, it's hard to like, it, it it's kind of intentionally hard to discern like how much of what happens was Scott versus Apocalypse, um, so that that's why, how he sort of ends up in this spot where he's okay. uh, just, you know, like kind of lost and in the mood for, as he says, he, he needs to spice it up a little bit. Gene's boring.
2: Gene's <laughs> so busy with work. Oh, yep. oh. they're all yeah. they're separate
0: from one another all the time.
2: It was, it was entertaining. It was like very trashy. It felt like. it it was it was that kind of like thing and it was so it's so drawn out too it's just like Uh happening throughout and it's like eventually i'm just like come on like either do or don't or like commit and i'm glad that the place where we stopped we got a little we 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 find we we, we, we got to a place where it's like "Ah, your mind fucking each other and it's like no it's not what it looks like and yeah um yeah. I don't know I I love that the, the the
0: sort of soapy part of the x-men like and it's not just like like the gene and the Scott and Emma and Jean stuff is great I, I enjoy that but I also really like the the beak and angel stuff and the 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 Quentin. like because it intermix with all of it is like sort of the more normal like teenage stuff I guess which is I mm. I think that it's fun to inject that into the X-men in particular because yeah. really serves to to humanize them in a way that you don't always get in like superhero comics so i i i enjoy that aspect of it quite a bit
2: yeah i just hope that's not the reason that gene goes super saiyan and kills everyone (laughs) because if that's the reason it's like come on
1: i personally i love the melodrama i i live for the melodrama like i i'm just that i i i yeah i uh I, I love character drama, like, happening when, like, the world is ending. <laughs> like, I love, like, there's, like, real stakes going on, but we're, like, really worried about our marriage right now. Just, it's, it, the the fact that, like, <laughs> the, the fact that it keeps coming up for Scott, and, like, always kind of made me chuckle a little bit. Um, Which I guess sounds a little mean, but, you know, like, he's not real, it's fine. Uh But... Yeah, like I I love melodrama as an aspect of X-Men comics and in particular I thought that uh the way everything played out uh was really fun uh in in this and normally my my preferred uh X-Men uh main "Quote unquote love triangle," even though it's not a true love triangle, uh, is uh, Scott Jean Wolverine, but uh, Scott Jean Emma. I I will uh, I will take in this moment. Uh,
0: yeah, they've they've kind of gotten away from the the Wolverine Gene thing. I know they did mention and it, it in lame. the book,
1: though. Like they kind of it felt like they were like they. They went there just a teeny bit in the beginning, just to be like, just to kind of acknowledge it. But it, yeah. it is completely yeah. abandoned well, by them because they kiss
2: and Wolverine's like, not happening, bub. Walks <laughs> away.
0: That, yeah. that is kind of where it's gotten to. Is that like there's like a tension, but like Wolverine is kind of over it more mostly, um, which is a shame. Uh, cool. Well, I guess since we are on a time frame, we can kind of wrap it up there, we'll be talking more about. New X-Men next episode so. Yeah, there's some stuff we didn't get to but we'll get to it later i mean it's some of it will be we'll revisit some of this stuff i think and, and get to yeah some
1: of I, everything that happens stuff. in this arc um, has uh implications for the next so it,
0: it it actually does i mean it's morrison so it is really one. no yeah like i'm not story, i'm not
1: being yeah. silly when i say that i mean it genuinely yeah. because you know morrison loves to have a big convoluted plot that can kind of be tied yep. together with a nice bow
0: so we will we will talk about all of that in two weeks. But until yeah. then, I'm hearing a noise. Do you what's hear it? What's the sound? What is the sound, Alex? What's the sound? I think Alex muted himself. So, Alex, no did sound. you
1: mute yourself?
2: Oh, that was the Suicide Squad with the latest hit, the Doomsday Clock, on, oh on your God. radio station.
1: Their How cool would single
2: how cool would it be if in the Suicide Squad game all of the music was like sung by them you know it was like a really bad covers of them and it's like in the background playing. you know
1: honestly I would respect that so much more
2: Right? <laughs> call me DC Marvel I won't pick up the phone
1: but you should do it anyway
2: yeah Yeah. so,
1: so that's the doomsday clock signaling <laughs> it's really? time what does that time? Mean? <laughs> time for cry space yeah <laughs>
0: My cryspace is something that just happened, where I, apparently there's betting markets on whether or not Travis Kelsey will propose to Taylor Swift during the Super Bowl, at the end of the Super Bowl.
1: Okay.
0: Um, but they haven't been dating I, long I, enough. I'm sorry. I,
1: well, I'm sorry. yeah, I am not crying about for at
0: least ten years. I'm mostly I'm mostly crying because ten that's a long time. <laughs> okay, we'll talk about it off show. Uh, I'm mostly crying because like that's the betting market and it's legal to bet on things like that, which it shouldn't yeah. be. That really pisses me off
2: um because people yeah, are going to spend their money someone's going to put down 200 and be like we oh, have a friend who's going to spend let's i have a friend engaged. who's
0: going to put money on it i guarantee it the
2: thing is the thing is like is this bet like what if okay what if they get engaged the night of the super bowl does that count is that the at the well, game i think there's like there's conditions the right
0: order? i'm looking at this screenshot and it's like pro- this one is proposal must be on field after the game so maybe uh, there's another one where if it's like not
2: off the field. Unless I don't know. I don't know. That's that, that is that's a good cry space. That's, that's this, this
0: all kind of ties into the broader cry space of the the whole like Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift are deep state psyop to <laughs> re-elect Joe Biden, which is so funny to me. That there's people who apparently genuinely believe that like the NFL is rigged. They rigged the NFL so that the best quarterback of all time Led his team to the Super Bowl, the the the, the team with the best defense in, in the league this whole season, and the greatest quarterback of all time, Patrick Mahomes, somehow made it to the Super Bowl, and it was all rigged. Uh, and also, Taylor Swift randomly got famous in the last year. Nobody knew about her before that. And Travis Kelsey, you know, he was a shitty player. He like he's a glorified lineman in the the words of some commentators. And uh, many people
1: yeah. are saying this. It's- It does make
0: me cry that people are stupid enough to believe that, but it also makes me happy that I, you know, a lot of the like macho alpha male types apparently don't actually watch football. Like that's very funny to me.
1: The right wing anti,
0: the right wing like anti sports contingent, like becoming negatively polarized against the NFL when you're audience is my grandfather is like you're gonna convince him to vote for joe biden man like what are we doing here
2: yeah and i just love that like blonde hair pop star dates sports star oh yeah. wow who's, who saw this coming <laughs> this oh is so no anti-american <laughs> wow 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 that's crazy that's crazy yeah it's a good cry space though anyway i'll i'll hand it off i have a
0: cry
1: Sick. space My cry space is that um, tomorrow I have to get up to drive my wife two hours to the airport. And would you like to know what time I have to leave my home tomorrow morning?
2: My wife, um, like 4 a.m.?
1: It is in fact 4:15 is when I have to leave my home to drive Mm. to New Orleans to drop Gwen off at the airport. uh, They have a
0: driver's license, right?
1: Well, we only have one car.
0: Oh well, and I'm taking. And
1: after they go to the after they are at the airport, I am taking that car up to Minnesota to. I'm going to be Minnesota staying there while Gwyn is gone and I'm going to be, uh, I'm going to get to take a tour of not the exact apartment that we're moving into, but at like one of the same style. And uh, I'll get to, nice. to do some more stuff in the area before we move up. So I am, I am excited about that, but um, Oh God, I have to leave my home at four fifteen tomorrow morning.
2: Are you, pulling, are you pulling, are you either staying up all night or are you doing like, I'm going to bed I'm gonna, early. I'm going gonna to wake bed up.
1: Early. I'm okay. Nice. I can't, um, I can't do like, cause, because after I drop going off at the airport, I'm probably just going to hit the road for St. Louis, which is the first mm-hmm, leg sure. of my trip up to Minnesota. So I can't do that. Staying up all night. I gotta, I gotta catch some Z's before then, but it does mean that I'll probably be going to bed at like 9 p.m. <laughs>
2: wow too early to go to bed
1: yeah too far too early
2: <laughs> those are some good cry spaces
1: yeah i'm gonna I'm, have
2: a do you have a good one alex oh it's financial so that's pretty you know generally a lot of people cry about their finances right is this is this true Often. is that, is that, yeah, is that great? Yeah. uh so everyone knows maybe they don't but I'm a, I'm a big simple plan fan right big fan of big fan of the music i don't know that i need that Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Long they're like listening. his favorite band.
1: I Like, generally, I don't think I knew that.
2: For my childhood times to now. I love uh, that. But they announced the tour, but they're not headlining. Avril Lavigne is. Which is like, okay, that's fine. That's I don't hate Avril Lavigne. Yeah, I, like, I bet Levine. she on a I don't dislike Avril Lavigne. Yeah. But I, I'm going to pay $200 and then see Avril Lavigne with a little bit of Simple Plan, where I would rather see a lot of Simple Plan with a little bit of Avril Lavigne. I mean, it's um,
1: probably going to be, like... A third simple plan and two-thirds outroll of That's still a pretty good ratio of simple plan.
2: It's true. It's not my you preferred seen, ratio.
0: You have seen a simple plan headlining tour though, right? Didn't you go I a have, few I years have. ago?
2: Yeah. But yeah. see, I'm at this point I'm like itching for it. It's been enough time and I'm like, ooh, ah ooh, ah The good news about this is um they're probably not gonna play any, any of their new shit. I mean, I do like the new album, but, like, if they're, if they're doing a throwback tour where, like, Avril Lavigne's playing all of her, oh, yeah. you know, singles, which I'm like, what else do you have, Avril Lavigne? But, anyway. um, The Simple Plan's just gonna play
0: I'm Just a Kid on repeat yeah, for exactly. Unre- don't forget this about
1: Lifestyles of the Rich and the Famous.
0: I don't know that song. Yeah.
1: It was the title track on the album Lifestyles of the Rich and the Famous.
0: If you say sense. so. I, I don't think I know a second Simple Plan song.
2: There's I'm Just a Kid... There's shut up. There's I do anything. I do anything is uh they did it in the Scooby Doo episode they were in. They were in two Scooby Doo episodes. They mm-hmm. also do the song, the theme song, What's New Scooby Doo. So if you've seen the TV show, you know another simple plan song. I have
0: seen the theme um, song. Uh, okay, so there you go. Yeah. yeah,
2: they're all over. So I do yeah, know yeah. a second simple
0: plan song. And I know they're, way they're, more Ava Levine songs than I know simple plan. Sure,
2: songs. I mean she she I mean she had one album where there were like six bangers that are still like thing, which is probably what she's gonna play at this tour. Uh, yeah, honestly, uh, like I,
1: her debut album has like so many bangers.
2: Yeah, my my other question is, why is she labeling this as like I'm playing all my all my early hits? I'm like Avril, what do you normally play at concerts? Let's look. She let's had a new real. album last year. Yeah, but like
1: she goes and plays. Uh, was that the Hello Kitty song? That's yeah, that's The it's, one that she
0: did it's 90% with ninety percent old did with hits. Chad Kroger?
1: No, the Hello Kitty song was like a like a Japan. Oh. Uh, hmm. Like apparently uh, Avril Lavigne is popular in Japan, so she like made a, a song for the Japanese audience called Hello So was Carly
2: Rae Jepsen. Good taste.
1: Yeah, I mean, that okay. yeah.
2: Um But yeah, I, I bought my tickets this morning because I got a pre-sale code. So uh, excited Hell to go yeah! August 12th.
1: August 12th nice.
2: in Toronto. Uh, it's not at the outdoor venue. I kind of wanted to go to the outdoor one, but maybe ah. I'll find a way to trade tickets or something. <laughs> I don't know. Well, that's exciting.
1: Yeah, Yeah. that sounds
2: fun. And I'm also, my other cry space is I'm going to play the Suicide Squad game. Yay, I'm excited.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I want to hear all about experience playing the suicide. The hater is gonna
2: hate, please, hate, hate, hate. Please,
1: hate. please keep me updated. Like genuinely. I need to Alex know. and I
0: will play the Suicide Squad game for exactly one hour and fifty nine minutes and then please, get our seventy dollars back from Steam. Please give glorious. me
1: as much of a play-by-play as you can. I know you'll be uh violently drunk, John Luke, but uh I can only uh well no not at, for not at,
0: suicide <laughs> no i want to experience suicide squad are you kidding me okay. i'm gonna be fully i'm gonna have been sober for like two weeks beforehand to make sure <laughs> that i have like Who's the true like sober headed experience. Of wow suicide squad kill the justice league okay. i wouldn't want to kill the justice league drunk i feel like that would Wait, be disrespectful they're gonna kill to the what IPs.
2: they better not piss on the flash or they <laughs> make be <me> angry <laughs> That will make me, I, you know, everything I'm hearing story wise from this game, I'm like, this is cool. Uh, the gameplay, I don't think <laughs> oh, I'm going to dive with. I, it's cool. I'm sure the game will suck,
0: but we will be playing it. We will be. It's out in like, it's out like this week, right on Friday. At, I think it's out on Friday. Yeah. So probably by the time this goes up, we will have played Suicide Squad: Kill the Justice League. Yeah, I, I, I got time on Saturday. Would you play it?
1: Huh? Uh, I mean, like, I would. I would consider it, I would consider playing a little bit of it for, I'll do anything for content. <laughs>
2: okay. If, if, I, is I wouldn't saw unfortunate...
1: Winnie the Pooh blood and honey in theaters, I'll yeah, do anything for content. Fair enough. Yeah.
2: If we make the bad decision of playing the game past the two hour point, um, and then when you get back or are you, you going to have your, cause you're gone for a week, you, I'm guessing you won't have your setup.
1: Uh, no, I'll only have my laptop yeah. with me.
2: Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So if we go over the two-hour mark and then still have the game.
1: Yeah, if you still yeah, have the game did. by the time that I am back in town, you, I will play some Kill the Justice we, with you guys.
2: Yeah. We we
0: can stream the Flash boss fight for you and Chad in yes, yes, and Discord. Yes! Us Excellent. Kill the Flash. Yeah, I would
1: love That's that. That's probably the
0: better the better plan. <laughs> I
1: would love that. <laughs> Thank you.
0: They should just call it Suicide Squad killed the Flash and then just had to kill the Flash a bunch of times. Yeah, I mean, honestly, t-
2: Sure.
1: Photorealistic, how much would uh, you pay for a game that, that, that that's just
2: that? Yeah, like you get to pick your flash. Oh
1: my god, guys! I there's an episode of season one of Invincible that has in its voice acting for like saw so, like minor characters in the episode both Justin Royland and Ezra Miller in the oh, same wow. episode.
0: Wow, that's rough. You know the. Uh... Robert Kirkman thinks think, like he's got to be a Rick and Morty head, right? Oh,
1: like, I've, I've no doubt in my mind. I,
0: yeah, that's that's yeah. crazy though.
1: Everybody, stay tuned bit. for Jesus. the Walking Dead episode. I don't want to.
0: No, no, no. Walking Dead is good. What we would end up reading of the Walking Dead is good.
1: Well, yeah, no, well, that's fair.
0: Shouldn't, I shouldn't make declarations like that, because I was 16 the last time I read an issue. Of I, was also, Dead, I was
1: also, I was 17 the last time I read I, The Walking Dead, so... yeah,
2: I was 18, so
0: I... I actually might have, I probably was 18, actually, 18 or 19, actually, because I think I stopped reading in twenty fifty around
2: 2015. I stopped, so I, when, probably older than 20. I stopped when a major character who I loved died. Yeah,
0: and I, and I stopped shortly after that, so... But also, oh, I, the
2: only reason I stopped is because the omnibus ended there, and I was like, I'm not going to pay for another one of these. That's the story. Anyway,
0: anyway.
2: well, maybe we'll get you um, another
0: Walking Dead omnibus, and you can read the. Back. See the thing.
2: The reason I bought the second omnibus is it was like 30 bucks, and that omnibus is normally a like hundred bucks. Yeah. So yeah, it was, yeah. It was those, like, oh, how can I not? How can I not? Yeah. <laughs> and how can you not have a nice day?
1: Bye. Yeah. <laughs> Bye. we? Do we not have? Uh, oh, plugs! Uh, no, shit! No, yeah.
0: Next you can follow week. Us on Twitter and plugs. What? Mm, I'm at Mountain Dew like her on Twitter. You can follow me at Letterboxd at Jailbot Bill. Uh Alex is on Twitter at, at Alex hansiak Emily is at M You can follow her on Letterboxd Pandabore. Uh, you can follow her Twitch at Pandabore and listen to her other podcasts. Imagine me new to the fresh podcast market and that looks terrible. Yeah. And yeah, we didn't forget to do plugs. Totally. We remembered. Well, Emily remembered. I didn't. So one third of the show plugging. remembered plugging. Anyway, we will end the episode there so Alex can go see Godzilla minus one. Uh, Godzilla minus one minus color. Is it? Is it Godzilla minus one minus Color or just Godzilla minus color?
2: Hmm, I think it's Godzilla minus one minus color. I think Godzilla it is. Minus right, Color it's, would just it's, be it's the original Godzilla, right?
0: Right. Where? Right, right, right. Yeah, because the Godzilla. Mi- yeah, it's black and white.
2: Yeah, yeah it's called It was well, called Godzilla minus one slash minus color. Gotcha. Okay. There you go. Yeah.
1: It's, uh, I'm excited. Third Godzilla time. minus one, 0.00. You cannot have color.
0: That's. But I want color. Shin Godzilla, I think. <laughs> Bye!